Welcome to your go-to Detroit Pistons podcast, The Pistons Pulse, co-hosted by me, Bryce Simon of Motor City Hoops and Detroit Bad Boys, a former D1 Hooper and high school coach, current teacher, husband, and father of three amazing kids. And I'm Omari Sanko for the second Pistons beat writer for the Detroit Free Press. Omari, what's up, man? And of course, we're always joined by our guy, Wes Davenport, doing everything behind the scenes, keeping us in line, keeping us in check, keeping things running smoothly. Amari, we got two new ratings on Apple Podcasts this week. So I'm going to read those to everybody, those reviews. Guys, just remember, if you want to help us out, if you enjoy the podcast and the episodes, leave those ratings, those reviews, Apple, Spotify, over at Freep in the comments, DBB in the comments, on YouTube, any all that stuff just helps us grow, reach a wider audience. So this is from Kirk LEC, favorite Pistons podcast. I appreciate their discussion and analysis of both the team and the draft. They can be critical without being negative and optimistic without being homers. Weird takes on food. This this is one of the best reviews we've got, Amari. The weird takes on food are from you. No, 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 that's not. <laughs> you said today you're going to go like explore every pizza place and give out your big board and all that. I'm like, just stick to the NBA draft, Omari, because nobody trusts no, your pizza no, big board. No. People, everybody listens to the pod would agree that they can trust my opinions on pizza or any other food. And I've already been to a lot of the spots here. So I'm just saying I'm going to rank at some point to Detroit style pizza spots. Everybody, we can revisit it in a later episode of the pod. I took uh bryce and west to grandma bob's a few months ago and they enjoyed it they can attest to my taste in pizza because they both thought that was a great pizza and that's what we're going to do we'll get back to the reviews but i just have to self-plug myself right there don't listen to this misinformation that bryce is plugging about my lack of taste in food my taste of food is great and i'm trying to take everybody with me on this journey ryan obviously <laughs> follows us on twitter because i posted my what semi-monthly bi-monthly whatever it is a uh, picture of Dorothy Lynch on lasagna. And obviously some people had some takes. I actually had somebody respond in the thread to put it on. I don't remember what it was. I know f- fish sticks and tacos or something like that. I was like, man, I don't know about that. That's even a little much for me. So that, that was a childhood thing. My dad did it. We got to get to the other review though. This is from Filk money. What I've been looking for as a longtime Piston fan growing up in Michigan, I now live in Japan and couldn't find a Pistons podcast I enjoyed. Then I found your podcast. Now it is my go-to listen as soon as it drops. Thank you for your great podcast. Man, this is sometimes the coolest stuff, Omari, is whenever I know Camille's in here from Turkey, Japan. We have people all over the world listening to the podcast, and that's pretty cool, Omari. I know all of these reviews, all the people that reach out and let us know that they listen to the podcast, it means a lot. But whenever you hear people from other countries are tuning in every week, that's pretty special. No, absolutely. I mean, it's still crazy to me. I know the prices as well. Just saying how much the pot has grown over the last year and, and four months we've been doing it. And especially going to YouTube now and just seeing all the interaction we get, people from all over the world, business fans from uh, just about every decade, seems like it's been really cool to see. So, yeah, I mean, we really appreciate y'all. We really appreciate when you leave us reviews. Uh, keep it keep it coming. Let us know good, bad feedback. We love to hear it and we love interacting with you all. The funniest thing to me, Amari, is still that our first rating ever was a one star because we had, we had dropped the the teaser and then the person got mad that we hadn't dropped an episode, even though it said in the teaser when we are dropping. So I always laugh about that. Go ahead, Amari. The only bad review we got was 
we didn't drop episodes fast enough. <laughs> it's like 4.9 stars. And the one first review was a one-star review. Like, I was ready for an episode and you guys didn't drop it. We never said we were dropping the episode yet. We were very clear about our last day. Hopefully, we can keep that streak going. Yes, and thank you guys tuning in live. Again, we'll try to get to some of your questions and comments as we go throughout the episode. Reminder, next week, I bet it happens Sunday morning. Me and Amari haven't really locked it in yet, but we will be in Vegas together Friday, Saturday, Sunday. My guess is Sunday morning or something like that. We'll get on and we'll record live together. Together, um, probably from Omari's hotel, whoever's hotel has better Wi-Fi. So hopefully all the technology works. But let's get into this because people are here to listen to us break down the Pistons offseason. Omari, we've talked about the draft. If we get into some Asar and Marcus Sasser stuff, we can get into it. But really, it's about the moves or the moves that did not happen from Troy Weaver so far. Nothing in terms of signings, Omari. The big things have been trade. Let's just start with Joe Harris. They take on Joe Harris and his $19 million contract. And and acquire two second round picks. What were your thoughts on that that move and, and where that kind of takes this roster? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people didn't expect them to trade for Joe Harris uh, before uh, that 6 p.m. Uh, negotiation period began. Uh, but Joe Harris, uh, just talking about him as a, a player, obviously he's around a 43% shooter. And he's somebody that if he was looking for the best shooter on the market, right? I mean, I guess, quote-unquote, he wasn't on the market because it was a trade. But if the goal was just to upgrade shooting, it's hard to do uh, you know, better than than Joe Harris. He's one of the best catch-and-shoot guys in the league. And even digging into his numbers a bit more after the fact, he's somebody, historically, he's been efficient all over the floor. I mean, mid-range, he's even been really good at the rim. And, I mean, which makes sense, right? Because like a decent ball handler, when you shoot the ball that well, you're getting hard closeouts, you're going to get, uh, pretty easy lanes to the rim. So I would call him an all-around offensive player. He's always been a plus passer. He doesn't turn the ball over a lot. Um, coming off of a uh, somewhat of a down season last year, came off the bench a little bit more after being a starter for four years. Uh, he had two ankle surgeries the year before last. Uh, so still getting his full form back. But I would say just offensively, he does play a lot of holes for this team. And you can never have too much shooting. And I would say that's probably the main thing he's bringing in there. To me, it was like coming out of the draft, Amari, everybody was like, oh, well, you, we like Asar Thompson, but he doesn't space the floor. And we need to make life easier for Cade and Ivy offensively. How are we going to know what they can do if they don't have a, a floor that is spaced? And then they go and get Joe Harris and everybody's like, oh, he's washed. He's this, he's that. And and one thing that was he's really... He's not washed. It's not, no, like, not to cut you off, but he's not washed. I don't no, know if people keep I'm, saying that. He's not... Well, here's the thing too, Amari. Even if he was a little bit washed, the Pistons are what? At best, even the the most positive people about this Pistons team are saying maybe vying for a play-in game. Joe Harris is going to be a fine regular season player, Amari. On a team that's not that good yet, he's going to be able to play 15, 20 minutes a night. I, I realize there's defensive concerns. There's other guys on the roster that that can be their main focus. Like, I'm excited about a guy who can space the floor and we see what Cade Nivey can really do. I also want to talk about the health history because it was like, oh my gosh, this guy is just a walking injury. He did have the ankle stuff. And that is a little bit nerve wracking, right? Like it makes you a little bit nervous. But five of his six seasons in Brooklyn, Omari, he played 69 or more games. And like three or four of those seasons, he played 30 plus minutes. This guy isn't just like injury riddled throughout his whole career. I reached out to every Nets person I could find on Twitter and the ones that responded to me, one of them was like, no, he was kind of the Iron Man for this team, playing a ton of games and a ton of minutes. So I just, maybe it's not some home run swing. Maybe it's a single. Maybe he got hit by pitch. But this is getting on base, in my opinion. 
I agree. I think it just kind of took the wind out of fan sales when that's like the leaded move and it's clear. I mean, you have 30 million in cap space. He's on the books for 20. That takes a shot at him running for different free agents. But then you look at what happened after a Cam Johnson signs for 27 a year. Uh, Jeremy Grant re-ups Max Deal uh, to come back to Portland. Harrison Barnes, he signed not too long after free agency began to go back to Sacramento. I probably left money on the table, but I mean, I've seen a really good situation there, and he's around 30, 31. Uh, the market just kind of went the way it went. You know, I think the Pistons even have a shot at Cameron Johnson. You're probably having to open up more cap space. Like, I don't even know if they offer the four thirty or that's enough. If Brooklyn's paying twenty seventy a year, do they pay thirty a year? I mean, at that point, what's an extra three million? You probably pay that as well. So you're looking at not picking up Alec Burks' option, and at that point, just paying him even more, right? I mean, do you pay him 34, 35? Like, you know, just from talking to people throughout the week, I just know they weren't going to overpay. Cameron Johnson, you talk about Joe Harris being an Ironman. Outside of the one season where he got hurt, played 69 games a year, there were some concerns about Cameron Johnson's health. And I mean, I mean granted, the team's probably still scarred from Blake Griffin's money just all coming off of the books a year ago, right? So I think they're very, very uh, not eager to overpay a player. He's probably not going to live up to their deal. And I said this on the pop before, on only bad contracts are the contracts you can't trade, right? I mean, if you could, if a contract is a moving contract, it's a good deal. And I do think Joe Harris's contract is when they can move at the deadline if they opt to. And we'll get to some of that later. But the uh, bottom line for me is that Joe Harris is a good player on a good expiring contract. If you weren't going to make the swing in free agency, you wanted to swing. And I think we can just look at what happened and say with confidence that whatever top option they had in free agency just wasn't going to happen based on how it went down. You go and you get those expiring contracts, you get veterans who can come in and play. Then you have that flexibility going into the trade deadline or even next season if you just carry them through and then you have that money come off of the books and you have cash space. So uh, very flexibility-minded uh, to trade for Joe Harris, but also you didn't give up anything except that 110 k which is the bare minimum you have to give up. And you also got a couple second round picks along with that. So essentially a salary dump. But I think what's been lost in it a bit is that Joe Harris is a good basketball player. And in the open market, still somebody who probably would have signed for around 20 a year anyway. Uh, just looking at some of the deals that went around uh, Friday and Saturday night. So Joe Harris is a good player coming in for the row. Uh, does he help you defensively? Probably not. But I think he does check some of the boxes that they needed to check going into the offseason. Omari, how many games, what's the most games Cam Johnson has played in his career thus far? Four NBA seasons, what's the most games he's played in this season? I think the most he's played is 69, actually. 66. So we're talking, like, we're worried about injury stuff, and Cam Johnson has played 57, 60, 66, and only played 42 last year. He's never averaged 30 minutes per game in his NBA career. This isn't like a Cam Johnson critique. I, I know he's a really good player. Here's the other thing, Amari. You know what special insight the Pistons had? They had his previous head coach. So I'm going to default to Monty Williams knowing Cam Johnson, knowing Cam Johnson's body, knowing the medical stuff, all of that as opposed to anything else. And if he wasn't comfortable, like if he really thought Cam was worth that money, he would probably be the guy to know. And at the end of the day, Omari, whether Monty's right or wrong, he has to be the one to coach the guy. Obviously, he didn't think he was a $30 million player, right? And so like, we're paying this dude $13 million to coach the team. You've got to take his insights. And Cam Johnson is a, I mean, he's a, a good player, right? Like yes. I, the business could have got him for, you know, 25, like around the range that Brooklyn paid him then that's one thing. He's a restricted free agent. So the only way you can prime him away is to overpay. Uh, I think when you get to that point, and I see some of the conversation with Cameron Johnson, you know, you, it's almost like he was like prime Kobe Bryant, the way some people reacted. And it's like, he's a good player. Like, I'm not going to say anything bad about him. It's just, you want to make sure you get a player like that on a good deal. You know, on this team, 
you know, Cam Johnson may not be their best. I mean, he's not going to be their best offensive player, right? He's probably third, four, fourth option. And then defensively, he's he's a good defender. Like, he's a really good defensive player. He's not, like, all NBA defense, right? So how much do you pay for a guy who's an above-average starter? And for Detroit, I just I just think it got too expensive. I think they looked at the market and they said, hey, we're not going to pay, you know, $34, 35000000 billion uh, for this guy. So it's time to go to plan B. And that was essentially plan B, which is uh, trading for Joe Harris and then Monty Boris, who we'll talk about a little bit here. And just maintaining that flexibility going into the next season. That's not exciting at all. I mean, that's you know pretty underwhelming offseason if you're just judging it from a oh, the Pistons are back standpoint. But from a we want to maintain our options. We want to, at the end of the day, internal development we know is what's going to take us to the next level, right? It's not going to be an outside signing. It's going to be uh, you know, Kate Cunningham, Jaden Ivey taking us to that next level. I think it makes sense, right? They know at the end of the day the guys they drafted are the players who are going to take them to that next step. And that's what they defaulted to. They're not going to overspend. We're just going to focus on player development, get some good road guys in, maintain that flexibility, and they can still make a big swing as soon as it's summer if they want to. You know who had the most exciting offseason, Amari? The Houston Rockets. And every podcast I listen to, they're getting critiqued more than any other team. There's a part of me that loves that nobody's talking about the Detroit Pistons offseason. To me, that's almost like perfect. They're going to go into the season. All of a sudden, Joe Harris is going to knock down 45% from three off the bench. And Monty Morris is going to be the second unit point guard. And they're going to be you know, helping this team win some games. And people are going to be like, oh, those were really smart signings. And then you know what they're going to do, Amari? They're going to package those guys on expiring deals to a competitor bring in some young player that they didn't have to overpay in free agency and all is going to be good i know i'm the eternal optimist in the pistons world but i just kind of like that we're not the team that every podcast is talking about what are the pistons doing giving dylan brooks four years and 80 million dollars i do want to answer this question amari this is from camille do you think acquiring joe harris means the end of the boy on tenure i'll just say real quick Amari. i don't think so does it open it up a little bit sure because now you do have another sharpshooter but to me the four expirings can all really shoot the ball really well they absolutely should start the season on the team unless there's some bigger move that happens this offseason right like if you do that but to me i love the idea of having morris burks boyan and joe harris not to mention sasser and some other guys but those four guys i like that it's a lot of elite shooting i don't see it as an either or scenario like you just have both of those guys in the rotation and uh, they could both play a significant role. I mean, does it make it maybe easier to part ways with Boyan? Maybe a little bit. Like, I still think Boyan's just an all-around better scorer and a guy who can create his own shot. So I'm not quite there yet. But it's just better to have both of those guys. You don't need to make it an either-or scenario. I think you can play both of them together and be in good shape. And here's what I like about the offseason, Omari. I pulled the cap sheet the other day off Spotrack, and there's no committed money long-term outside of the rookie guys. I also pulled, Omari, the games played for what I consider the young core. If you want to add in Stu, that's great. If you don't, that's great. I don't care. At the end of the day, the four recent lottery picks is who I looked at. None of those guys have played more than, what, like 70 games or something like that. Cade, Ivy, Dern, and of course, Asar hasn't played a game at all. Do we even know who these guys are yet? I know what I think they are, Amari. I know what I think Cade Cunningham is. I know I what I think Jalen Dern is going to be, but we have no idea. So I kind of like the idea of you take these expiring contracts, put that talent around them, and let's find out who they really are before we splurge and make some huge move. I agree. I agree. Uh, you need to, they're still in talent evaluation mode, right? There is a lack of information. I think yes. they have. That's uh, a great where, way to say it. I mean, Kate obviously missed the entire season last year. Not the entire season, but even the 12 games he did play, he was hurt during. So we didn't really see 
the real Cade. Yeah, and there's just information we don't have. I mean, Cade spent very little time playing with Ivy and Durant. There's a lot that they have to figure out, I think, as far as that. So do they want to win more games next year? I still think that's true. I still think that there are moves to come that will up their floor a little bit and get them to that next step. But they do still have to figure out where these guys are. Now they do have to figure out where Cade is. I mean, Cade would be eligible for an extension a year from now, which is going to come up really quickly, right? So, you know, I do think on some level they're still in that talent evaluation mode and figuring out where guys fit okay so guys we do want to get to monty we want to get to the summer league roster all that different stuff so we're not going to go to a break just yet we're going to go in to dive into monty we'll break this up a little bit with the break so monty morris is acquired from the wizards for one of those second round picks so you know the net gain was one second round pick and two really good players they bring him in i want to get your thoughts on that trade first omari i talked to my guy matt moderno who does the believe in wizards podcast and he gave me a lot of insight into monty this guard room is really interesting to me but let's just start with monty morris the player and kind of what you felt about bringing him into the organization He's one of the best backup point guards in the NBA. And I know he started for the Wizards last year, but just looking at his efficiency, the way he takes care of the ball, uh, not even a bad defender. I mean, he's solid defensively. As an all-around backup point guard, it's really hard to do uh, better than Monty Morris, honestly. I mean, he's a career. He's above 40% shooting for his career from three or around 40% uh, for his career for three, uh, which is elite, of course. Uh, just great with the ball in his hands, like five assists, less than a turnover a game for his career. Uh, good all over the floor, uh, kind of like Joe Harris. And just, I think, from a backup point guard standpoint and also just from talking to Monty Williams after his press conference, he talked about how Ricky Rubio uh, really helped those 2019-20 Suns uh, get to that next step, just giving some stability to that backcourt. Monte Morris could absolutely do that for the Pistons. I mean, he's, again, it's kind of like Joe Harris, where it's like, is this like the most exciting move in the world? Like, I mean, it's not going to get like a, a front-page headline, right? But uh, he's a Flint guy uh, from Michigan, former Michigan Mr. Basketball. Really good all-around point guard. I mean, there's really not a whole lot bad I can say. He's going to come in. He's going to give you steady minutes every single night, and he's really going to stabilize that backcourt, you know, just given how young that group currently is. So if it's indeed, and I mean, you got him basically for free. I mean, you gave up a second-round pick for him. He's making close to $10 billion. He's going to come off to books in a year. So I, I think that's a no-brainer trade, honestly. If the idea is just to get above level, use, use up that cap space to fill a need, it's really hard to do worse than that. That's a big part of what Moderno talked to me about with Monte Morris. You know, he's trying to run the starters there in Washington last season. And he's like, you know, he really didn't always hold up defensively and wasn't able to break down people off the bounce and all that stuff. He's like, he's playing against starters. Now you put him in the second unit, you have a savvy vet. And now we know the level of competition just decreases, right? It's natural whenever you're playing against second units. And now some of that lack of athleticism isn't as big a deal because his savvy veteran abilities take over a little bit more. But at the end of the day, Omari, this is a guy who can operate ball screens really well and can play off the ball and knock down spot-up shots. So I went to Synergy and I looked this stuff up. So his shooting or his spot-ups, 25% of his play types the last two years. One year, he was 42% on unguarded catch-and-shoot threes. The next year or the year before, he was 45% on unguarded catch-and-shoot threes. As a pick-and-roll handler, he was excellent last year, 36% of the time. And it's even better when it includes passes. 27% of the time the year before, it was still good. So my point is, this is a guy who can play on or off the ball. So you want to play him with Cade Cunningham? Perfect. Play him with Cade Cunningham. He'll set up off the ball and knock down catch-and-shoot shots. You want to play him in the second unit, have him operate a ball screen and then play from there 
put him and Sasser together. It's a little bit short, but Sasser can be the defender in that lineup. I just think he offers enough versatility. And as you said, he doesn't turn the ball over. I, I like it. My question is, and this question is coming up a lot in the chat, is what does it mean for the rest of the guard group? What does it mean for Killian Hayes? You know, what does it mean for Alec Burks? What does it mean for Marcus Sasser? I think that's kind of where I'm I'm not upset or nervous about it. I'm just interested to see how it shakes out. Yeah, that is TBD. Uh, Killian, of course, is extension eligible and he'll hit sugar free agency in a year. And in back-to-back weeks, the Pistons drafted Marcus Sasser, who was a point guard, and then they traded for Monty Morris, who was also a point guard. So, uh, you know, typically teams that are set up point guard don't, you know, make consecutive moves in the trade market and the draft to address that position. So, you know, we will see. I mean, I think the Pistons are not going into a position where, just rotation-wise, can they really prioritize those developmental minutes for Killian Hayes if he needs them? And I don't think they can. You have Cade, you have Ivy. You just drafted Sasser, who Trey and Monty Williams are both very high on. And now you have Monte Morris, who, you know, of course, is a very solid all-around point guard. So from that position, I mean, you're, you're pretty much set. I mean, you could still play Killian off-ball. He's going to have to play off-ball a lot, you know, of course, now. And if the shooting comes around, and that's still like a really good fit to be next to Kay Cunningham and Jaden Ivey. And I still think the swing skill for Killian is just that off-ball shooting, given that he doesn't get to the line. you got to bring something off-ball offensively, which he doesn't have. But, you know, it seems as though the team is maneuvering uh, to where they don't have to rely on those Killian minutes next season. And uh, that's not a great spot to be if you're going to be a restricted free agent in a year. So uh, for me, that's very much a TVD. But, you know, the, the team clearly fit out to address that point guard need elsewhere. We're going to take a short break here. When we come back, Amari, let's get into a few of the questions revolving around the offseason, some potential moves that may come around. And then we'll maneuver that into the summer league. I know you guys got to go to the practice facility today. So we'll dive into that after this short break. All right, we are back with segment two, and we're going to lead off with a question here from Cody Tuseva. Hope I said that correctly. I truly don't believe Troy is done. I think he is waiting for the dust to settle, slash possibly involve himself in some of these bigger offseason trades. Let's say you guys. I mean, I'll say that that's probably right. You just look at the roster, and uh, there's clearly an imbalance. They still have a clear need, I think, uh, power forward. Uh, I mean, I, read about, I wrote about over the weekend that we talked about the expiring deals they have with Boyan, with Alec Burks, and then the two new guys with uh, Monte Morris and, and Joe Harris, who after they signed, I don't think they'd be eligible to be traded immediately, but you could always package Boyan and Burks and make something happen. Or if you do want to do something with maybe one of the extra bigs or guards, maybe you trade Killian or... Uh, Marvin Bagley or somebody. It, it does seem like they are in a mode now where you have all these pieces and you can look at surveying the market and making some sort of deal to balance the roster out. I mean, we all know what they did last September with Boyan Bakdanovic. And, uh, you know, it could happen this month, could happen two months from now, but I do think that's on the table for them. I think that's the one thing right now, right, Amari, is there's a little bit of roster imbalance, it seems. You know, and this comes down to another topic, though, Amari. Do you think Boyan is a four? If you think Boyan can really hold it down at the four, and if you believe in Isaiah Stewart, you may not see that same roster imbalance, right? Like, if those guys are going to play there, then you just play Asar and Livers at the three. Joe Harris can slide down and play some three, and there's a little more balance there than what you think. I would like to see a four. You and I have talked a little bit 
about some different names. Tobias Harris is a name that's always come up. Grant Williams was a name in free agency. He's actually still out there. I just don't think the Pistons have enough space with the room exception to actually pry him away as a restricted free agent. So there's still some moves out there. But yeah, I mean, and here's the thing. I don't know that it's that big of a deal if they go in with the current roster in balance. So that's the other thing is I think they can make it work. So yeah, there's a little bit of confusion. Monty Williams would have to figure some things out. I think the biggest thing is, is how are you going to prioritize these different guys? How are you going to get Isaiah Livers minutes, Omari? How are you going to get Killian Hayes minutes? And so that Robert Canfield's question, who's the most likely trade candidate? Is it Killian? I feel like he's the most likely like, hey, let's move you on and let you maybe have some freedom somewhere else. I don't know if I would say he's the most likely because I just feel like some of these expirings are going to be really intriguing. And as the last question brought up, maybe they get involved in one of these bigger trades as Dame and James Harden are still on the market. I agree with that. I don't know if I would say Killian is the most likely, but I would say maybe from the standpoint of Detroit, uh, just needing to do what's best for the team and for him. If it gets to the points where he's not going to get consistent minutes next season, and obviously he's in a previous situation, then maybe at that point you just you know do what you can to help him get to a scenario where he can go and get minutes and prove himself. Look at a point like, at teams around the league that can use a point guard like the Chicago Bulls or somebody. Uh, I can see an avenue there. I'll say as far as most likely, I agree. I think it's probably uh, Burks or Boyan, uh, both being you know trade eligible expiring deals can come in to help a team immediately. If I'm a contending team, those are probably the two guys we're going to have the most interest in. So this is from Ben, and this is, does the Obi Toppin trade set the market for any possible killing trade? If so, I'd rather keep him. Ben, I mean, I, I don't know that Killian Hayes would get more or the same amount that Obi Toppin got, which was two second-round picks. My guess is if you're trading Killian Hayes, you're getting a second-rounder at most. And so I, I think that's one thing. If you are in the camp of trade Killian Hayes, and it's not just as an attachment into a bigger trade, you're going to have to stomach that you are trading the number seven overall pick for a second rounder at best. I think that's all you're looking at. Um, I don't know, Amari, if you have any different thoughts on that, but that's where I would go with terms of Killian's trade value as a standalone trade piece. Yeah, he's probably not the centerpiece of a trade. You know, I just kind of look at it from the standpoint of he's a good defender. He's a good passer. Uh, offensively, just scoring-wise, he still has a ways to go. So like an outside team, so it probably prioritize that skill set. And it's probably more so we take a flyer on Killian and see what he can do over the next season and go about it that way. But I wouldn't use the Obi Toppin trade as a measurement for that. You know, I think I think whatever Killian deal, potential Killian deal went down, would probably have a very different makeup. So this is a really fun question. We can start to talk a little lineup and roster stuff now, Amari, right? Like there's there's potential for new moves, but we have what, 14 guys on the roster. You have a couple two ways, just so everybody knows. I just learned this the other day. You can't fill the third two-way until your 15-man roster is full. So that's something to keep an eye on as well. If you're like, why haven't they filled the third two-way spot? And they probably want to see how Summer League plays out anyway. But this is from Data Driven Pistons fan. Which lineup do you want to see more, Amari? So Caden Ivy in both, Duran at the center in both. So would you rather see Asar and Boyan together in the wing forward or Boyan and Stewart there at the wing forward? I'll probably go Boyan and Stewart. I think whatever lineup you have, you have to maximize spacing. And I don't see Boyan as a four personally. I see him as a three. I think you're just giving up a lot defensively and rebounding-wise playing Boyan at the four. And you can really only do it and small, just get up and down the floor, space the floor lineups. But I don't see Boyan as a full-time four. I see him as a three. And 
I think the Asar question is interesting because all of Detroit's first round picks were really all the top seven picks, not counting Duran, but they've all been day one starters. And they are now, we talked about this, I believe, last week, but they're now in a position where they don't have to start Asar immediately, right? You have pretty good depth at the three, uh, which I think is Asar's most natural position, or even the two. I've seen him more as a two slash three than a three slash four. I got to see how he does re- rebounding wise. That's still TBD. But I would go Boyan and Stu at the three and four, and that's assuming that uh, Isaiah Stewart continues to develop as a shooter and he can settle in maybe around 35-36% from three next season. I kind of penciled in the SAR at the three right away, and then the more you think about it, it's like, man, that I don't think that that's as sure a thing as Cade and Ivy and even Killian, you know, whenever Killian was drafted. I still think, I guess I just believe in a SAR enough, even with the questions I have around him, and I think he can come in and he can fill a role that makes sense with that starting. I get the spacing issues. I do, Amari, and I think that's why if it is a SAR, it has to be Boyan. I don't think you can start stew there unless he's just showing that he can shoot 38 39% on high volume from 3. I think Boyan provides enough spacing where I think you can live with two non-shooters and yes, I'm going to count Cade and Ivy as non as shooters. I'm not going to count them as non-shooters. I just believe in Ivy as an overall unguarded catch and shoot guy and I believe in Cade's overall shooting ability. So, I think just what would be exciting to see, I want to see Asar in there with those guys, but if he's running with the twos, that's okay as well. I think what's really interesting with all of this Amari we've talked they have enough shooting right would you agree like I feel like they've had more shooting than any of the years I've been doing this I mean and we've been doing it the same years I don't I forget now is this the start of our fourth year I think doing this covering the team I mean you actually cover the team I just fanboy the team but right is this the start of the fourth year you don't fanboy the team no I would (laughs) say yeah this is year I started during the pandemic so this is year four. Yes, yeah, year yeah. four. I think it has to be the most shooting they've had. I, I don't think it's even close. I see Wes kind of looking up in the sky. So Wes will private chat and let us know if, if I'm off I'm off here. But then they also have some defenders, right? I mean, they have Killian if he stays around. Marcus Sasser, they're young ones. Asar, Isaiah Livers is known for his defense. Isaiah Stewart, I think, is a good defender, Amari. And at the end of the day, Jalen Duran's got to figure it out defensively if he wants to reach his peak. So my point was you have these different things. I think if you make the right combinations, Amari, you can have some really, really fun and quality lineups. Yeah, I would say depth-wise, this is the best pistons I've been That's in a true while. Too. I yeah. mean, just overall depth. You could talk shooting, like whatever else. I just think depth overall, they're in a great spot. And I see a lot of conversation will, you know, with so-and-so start. And I think this is probably the first year where there are no clear or easy answers. I mean, do you start a star? I mean, maybe, but now you're looking at bringing Isaiah Stewart off the bench or, you know, Boyan off the bench, and I think you can do that and probably feel fine about it. Or you don't even really have to give Asar the benefit of the doubt as a rookie. You can bring him on a little bit slowly, make him earn it. I see where he is as far as shooting, playmaking, defensively. You don't have to overload his plate too much. I mean, I would say Cade probably has to do too much as a rookie, right? Jaden Ivey certainly had to do too much last season, and he did really well with it, but he was still being asked to create too much with Cade being out. So Killian as a rookie, uh, not to create too much. So now you look at Asar, and he's not in that boat where he really has to create anything. Uh, You know, it's just you have all these pieces around him who can carry most of the load, and you can identify how to maximize his skill set. So I would say shooting-wise, this is absolutely the best they've been. But you have Boris, you have Burks, you have Boyan and Harris, who are all career 40-plus percent shooters and guys that you just know can absolutely, absolutely shoot the ball. I mean, like three-point shooting contest type guys, right? And then you look at any improvements from Stewart and from Cade and from Ivy. 
Uh, Isaiah Livers, obviously, we know he can shoot. Marcus Sasser, elite shooter in college. They they have great shooting. They have great shooting, and they go really except power forward. They go three deep at every position, which they could not say in past seasons. Yeah, so let's talk about that because I had that. Well, Wes had it. I didn't. Wes put it in there, and then I just put it together a little bit. Think about who they were playing at the end of last year, Amari. Hayes and Ivy were the starters. Now you get year two Ivy with Cade Cunningham as the starters. Would you agree that Morris, I, I know we're both Kojo fans, but I think Morris is a upgrade over Kojo. When you look at his entire skill set, like I said, he's one of the best backup point guards in the NBA, like absolutely a number two point guard, I think, for most teams. Yeah, and then Burks, Burks, same thing. And then last year, it was Hampton and Magruder. This year, it's Killian Hayes all the way to maybe third string point guard with Marcus Sasser. Now, again, on the wings in that four position is where it's maybe not quite as attractive, but still, like you have Asar and Harris as your fourth and fifth guys on that position instead of Hami and Amarui. And then here's my thing with the center position, Omari. It's the same three guys, right? It's still Duran, Wiseman, and Bagley. But it's three guys that hopefully are improved because they're young, big men who have now another year under their belt. Wiseman, another year. The, and, and listen, I've been kind of down on Wiseman. I'll admit it. I was disappointed with his 22 games or whatever it was in Detroit, but he still was the number two pick at one point for a reason. I thought Marvin Bagley had some nice flashes. I think Jalen Duren is really going to flourish. So I just wanted to look through that real quick through the depth chart. I know we'll do it all off season, but to your point about the depth, there's a lot of competition. I just saw a question in here about, yeah, if the season started today, so this is from Detroit for life 1000 is Bagley outside the rotation I mean at the end of the day Amari we can't play 14 guys I don't I, uh, not a wizard so there's a because ch- I think Stewart should get some five minutes as well so it, it's going to be a lot of competition these guys are gonna have to earn it any minutes they get they're gonna have to earn those training camp battles are going to be intense and I think we're going to see maybe a few guys who are initially in the overall overarching plan that maybe fall outside it a bit, you know, assuming that they don't make any trades that bounce the roster out a little bit, but it is, I mean, just tough to see everybody that deserves minutes on this team get, getting minutes as the roster currently stands. So they're going to have a lot of options to play with. And uh, that'll be exciting once we get to, you know, early October and uh, we start to kind of see how these camp battles play out because Matthew's going to have some tough decisions ahead of him. So this is from Rich. He said, this pod always makes me feel better about the team. LOL. And here's the thing that like, I know what people are going to say. I know the impression they get from you, right? Like they say you work for the team and you're never going to say anything bad about the team and blah, blah, blah. And Which I'm is just, false. <laughs> and Which like, is false, to be clear. People have come at me about that. Like I have no affiliation to the organization whatsoever. Like nothing. I, have, I don't know anybody within the... I don't have a cell phone number, anything like that. I just... I also don't think this team is going to make the play in Omari. Like, I just think it's set up for a team that's not that good, that's probably going to win 30 games, that's going to give floor spacing to its two young cornerstone backcourt playmakers and creators, which is always a good thing when they have floor spacing. You're going to get minutes to your developmental big, and you have this number five overall pick wing who can come in and just focus on the things he needs to do well. Asar doesn't even have to make shots now, Amari, because you have other guys that can do it. He can play defense, cut, offensive rebound. I just think maybe for the first time, I truly feel like there's a roster around these guys that are going to let them do the things that they should focus on. I mean, maybe I'm wrong here, but if you brought in all these defensive stalwarts, I would actually be less excited about that because if they couldn't shoot then Cade and Ivy can't develop offensively anyway. I don't know. Maybe maybe that's the wrong line of thinking on my part. 
Dog, I mean, look, here, like, at the end of the day, and we always kind of see it once we get to, like, the rookie of the year or, like, first, second team, our rookie to base, right? Like, you have players who have really big rows that put up numbers, but they kind of get knocked for, like, being on bad teams. And then you have guys who are role players for teams of actual depth, and they succeed in their role. And fans are like, well, you know, our guys played a lot more, so maybe they should be better or get more attention, right? Like, this is the first year where the Pistons don't have to ask anybody to over leverage themselves, and that's ultimately a good situation to be in. Uh, they don't have to over leverage a star, Ivy, uh, K, these guys can share the load because uh, you have good pieces behind them, right? Um, you have Monte Mercy to make their life a lot easier. So, so we'll see. Uh, like we will see, and I think the overarching part of this as well is we don't quite know Monty's tendencies with this team. Like we can look at what he did in Phoenix, and maybe even go all the way back to New Orleans and. Just look at like trend wise, like we know he probably leans toward playing small more so than big and this and that, but it's a new team as well. So it's tough to say how those tendencies change based on the personnel. So here we had another comment, and I think this is just general. Alec Burke seems like the most likely move because of the expiring deal, the fact that Pistons have Marcus Sasser. I can see Burks being moved to Dallas. I, I would just say in general, I think having all of these players, Amari, lend itself to any one of them can be moved. Like you feel comfortable with any one of them. And to the point, I think we were talking about it before we recorded, they're also very well set up to be players in a big trade. Not only are these expiring deals, Amari, these are good players, good quality players on expiring deals. I wish the draft pick situation was a little more open and they didn't owe that one to the Knicks, but I'm just saying they could be players for the next guy who wants out. And also, hopefully it's 50 games because they don't even know who they need to play next to Kate, Ivy, Asar, and Durant. What if Stu is really good, Amari? That's the one thing I thought about. You signed Cam Johnson, right? What if Asar and Isaiah Stewart are really good? What if Asar figures out his jumper, Stewart's shooting 40% from three? I realize we're talking hypotheticals now, but then do you want to be paying $32 million to Cam Johnson when you have Asar and Stewart? Like, I just, I think it's okay to wait another year before you kind of decide where to make a big move. And from Doug, he said, can you guys talk about the potential cap space next year, over 60 million? Wow. And I know people are tired of hearing about cap space, but we talked about Amari. They could actually have upwards of 100 million. Now it's not likely because of who they'd have to like let rights go and all of that. But the only one really on the books next year is Marvin Bagley, Boyan, 2 million guaranteed. And then all the rookie contracts are restricted free agents. So, I mean, the flexibility that Troy Weaver has kept, I think is really impressive. And again, I just think in general, fans tend to rate off seasons by excitement and not necessarily just by what's best for the health of the team long-term. Like, I've been watching the Pistons a long time. I remember Charlie Villanueva and Ben Gordon. I remember Josh Smith. I remember the Blake Griffin trade. I remember the cycles people went through trying to talk themselves into these deals and this and that or how it could work and everything. And what ends up happening is that you just overpay the wrong guys or, you know, trade for the wrong players and it doesn't work out. And now you're stuck. You know, there's no easy way out of overpaying the wrong players. You don't want to ever be stuck. And if the market does not support you making the big splash, the best thing you can do is just roll that flexibility for it. It's not exciting. If you're a fan who wanted the reason to get excited, uh, you know, to come back next season, like maybe the soft season doesn't do it for you. And that's, Fine. You know, I would just say if they overpaid the wrong guy and then they fizzle out next season, those friends are going to check out anyway, right? So what's the point? You know, you, you might as well just maintain the flexibility and make the swing when you have the opportunity to. You can make the swing at the deadline. You can make this offseason. Next offseason, we talk a lot about cap space. This is never going to be a team to me that is going to necessarily 
be a team that's going to make that type of swing in free agency. It's more likely going to be through a trade. And if it's free agency, it's going to be more like what Houston did this offseason where they paid $40 million a year to Fred Van Fleet and $20 million a year to Dylan Brooks. Now, those are good players. It's, it's not necessarily that they signed them. It's just the amount of money that they did where and I think a lot of people would agree that maybe you went above market value to get them here. Uh, you know, yeah, the Pistons could have did that, but do you want that or do you just want them to maintain flexibility and develop their young guys? You know, I'm not saying they addressed all their needs you know, with the two moves that they made, but what you want to do, flexibility is good. Um, like there are teams with awful cap sheets who would happily, happily, happily trade places with the Pistons right now if they could. Flexibility is a great place to be. And I think for me, Amari, at the end of the day, this comes down to those four guys being good. And then that's how I feel like because you're not going to draw in some huge free agent anyway, this really if Cade Ivy during a saw like if three of those guys don't hit and one of them is not a top 15 player, none of it probably matters anyway. So I understand what the Rockets were doing, but I think they did it too early. Omari, what are they going to do? Make the play in game this year? I just I don't think it makes sense. And there's a chance those contracts go really bad, really south. Now, I will say that I heard today, I didn't realize this at the time, that Van Vliet's third year is a club option. So that opens up a little more flexibility for them. Makes a little more sense. We got to go to another break. When we come back, we are going to get into summer league talk, the roster, who's playing, who's not, when the Pistons play, what we're looking for, all of those things. We'll dive into that. Hopefully get to some more of your questions and comments after this short break. All right, back with segment three. And I'm sure many of you all heard Summer League starts this week, July 7th. <laughs> I, I think Victor's there. playing right now. So the 80 of you that are watching, thank you for watching with us live and not turning on Victor Wimbanyama. Or maybe you're doing both. I'll be watching Vic personally, so shout out to y'all. <laughs> uh, you know, Bryce will be out in Summer League. And it should be a, it should be a fun vibe this year, right? Like, I think Asar, uh, Marcus Sasser, Will both be fun. You'll get Jaden Ivey and Jalen Duran, uh, Isaiah Livers, uh, James Wiseman for a game at least. I'm sure. Uh, I think we're only going to both be out there for two games. Right? I know I only be out there for two games. Victor's not playing, I guess. So I guess we're not missing anything. So they're saving him for Vegas. I'm sure. Yes, but he, he he may not play at all. If I was if I was San Antonio, I, I I wouldn't play him personally. Maybe just go out there for a quick wave to the crowd and then come back out the next possession. Well, and so I'll say this too, Amar. I wonder, you know, last year, Kate Cunningham was on the roster for Summer League and we know he ended up not playing. He practiced with the team. So I know, how much can you substantiate the Ivy, Duran, Wiseman? Those guys are for sure going to play a game. You've heard they're going to play a game or that's just kind of the impression. Like, wh- where, where are you at with those guys getting some some minutes? That's the impression I have. The impression okay. I have is that they are going to have them out there to kind of gel with the group. And uh, it just seems like the Pistons as a whole just kind of believe in getting those those reps in and getting them to gel with everybody. So, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to guarantee that they play. You know, at the end of the day, I'm not the coach. But my impression is that we'll probably see them play a game. I don't even know if it'll be a full game, but I think we'll see them a little bit. So from Derek Brooks, and Derek, you got this question in early. I've been saving it. I had it starred, ready to go. Happy 4th. Happy 4th to you guys as well. Everybody stay safe. Have fun. Enjoy it. Bryson Amari, thanks for coming on tonight. Yeah, we love doing this. We talk about it all the time. Amari, who looked bigger, stronger, faster today? Any physical observations? How did Osar look? Et cetera, et cetera. So you, for those of you who don't know, I guess Amari can speak for himself, but they got access to the team today. You guys, I don't know if you watch practice, but you got in at the end. You got to do some interviews, talk to Jarrett Jack, the summer league coach, just 
just kind of takeaways and impressions from that today, Omari. We don't watch practices. We see some of the individual drill work they do after, but we don't we don't watch before practices. So it's tough to say who looked uh, bigger, stronger, faster. Uh, we did see uh, Jalen Duran and James Wiseman take part in some shooting drills, and uh, on the opposite side of the floor, we did see. Uh, Isaiah Stewart and Kate Cunningham take place in some mid-range drills. I saw Kate Cunningham running the trap bill a little bit. Uh, seems like he's getting back to, to full speed just from the you know, 15, 20 minutes I saw today. I know he did an interview the other week where he said if there are games going on now, like he could probably play. So uh, obviously trending in the right direction. Uh, but we did talk to Marcus Sasser and Asar Thompson, and then we also talked to Wiseman and, and Jared Jack as well. And just a lot of general summer league talk, honestly, like I wouldn't say any like real breaking news, but, you know, Sasser and, and, and Asar both talked about just getting acclimated. It's been, what, 10, 11 days since the draft, so you got to move to Detroit and whatnot. Uh, and actually, like Sasser, you know, I believe was actually in, in, in Houston uh, with his alma mater working out last week, so I got back up here to work out with his teammates for summer league. But, you know, it's just... General Summer League talk, honestly, just, you know, we're trying to get better. Uh, you know, Sarr talked about getting better defensively. Sasser talked about the same. Uh, he talked about their adjustments. You know, Jared Jack just talked about the introductions of getting the schemes in and all of that because a lot of what they do in Summer League would carry over into the season. And can't confirm Jalen Duran got a haircut. You know, he does not have the, the breaks anymore like he had last year. Uh, you know, it's like tough. Like, I know a lot of times you put those videos out and, you know, people try to, dissect you know the 10 15 minutes or 10 15 seconds of, of, of footage and take any takeaways away but we just have to see these guys during summer league i think to make those types of conclusions and i want to say also like we got to pump our brakes a little bit on summer league both ways like i, I always hear people that don't overreact to summer league and then i see the same people taking victory laps about i told you asar was this or i told you he wasn't that summer league yes it, it's it's exciting i'm it's so excited to go out there. I was so excited that we had games today to watch. There was games on here before we started recording. I'm going to turn it back on after we're done recording while I edit. So don't get me wrong. I'm glad everybody's excited to watch, but let's just be like, if Asar goes 0 for 12 from three in summer league, that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be a bad shooter his whole career. Or if he goes out and you know drops 30 in the first game, what I'm excited is to watch him play against his brother. So that will be a lot of fun. Uh, we had a question here, Omari from Doug. Are you guys, going to have any fun in vegas it's a business trip of course but vegas is 24 7 lol i mean i feel like we pretty much just basketball i will tell you guys so my wife will travel with me to vegas she's bringing a friend she's having another friend meet her there once we land i won't see her again until we leave on monday morning i will spend more time with omari in vegas than i will with my wife and i think this is my third year the most Vegas thing I've done, Omari, is I went to a magic show last year because I got in the day early. Outside of that, it's going to some good food spots, but um, I don't feel like I've really ever experienced Vegas in the years I've gone. It's a lot of work, a lot of networking, a lot of writing, but like it's fun too. Personally, I'm not a huge Vegas guy. I don't like gambling. Like I, you know, I got hang out with friends or whatnot. Like that's more so my vibe. Like it kind of just the strip to me is just like a giant Chuck E. Cheese for adults. Like I've been saying that <laughs> like the last week, but it's just like a lot of bright lights, a lot of people sitting down playing games, and it's fine. I'm like you have fun. It's not work twenty four seven. I mean, it's definitely fun. I'm just not like the biggest Vegas fan, so like I have fun, but I'm not like the type to like take part in all the stuff you can do out there. Like the food is good. Like I'm definitely a food guy. Uh, so that's nice. Beyond that, not as much. Let me ask you this, Amari, because I really struggle with this. 
I have a hard time actually watching the games and focusing because I'm always trying to network and talk to people and meet people. I have a list of like 10 people, 15 people that I want to connect with while I'm out there and I'm only out there for two and a half days. Do you ever feel that way? I I know the Pistons games, you're locked in, but you're around for some of the other games. You feel like you actually get a chance to watch or you feel like you're always walking from one gym to the other. Oh, there's so-and-so. Oh, there's so-and-so and trying to connect and talk and network and all of those things. Yeah, it's a lot of bouncing around. Like, I do try to make a point to catch some of the other games, but outside of the Pistons, I maybe catch. Like, I'll be there for, like, five or six days this year. Like, I'll probably catch, you know, like, maybe a game every day. Like, it's just tough to juggle everything because it's one of the few events where, like, everybody's there, right? So it's a lot of people you try to catch up with. You have work to do. Uh, The Pistons, even when they're not playing, they have, like, practice days, so you're doing that on some days. and It's a lot. Like, it really is a lot going on, so... Like, it'd be nice to just kind of sit down and watch basketball all day. But, you know, it's not, it's funny. Like, when I was in like high school and in college, like, I would pay like 10, 15 bucks for the summer league pass. And I was just like, watch summer league all day. Now that I'm actually going, I don't watch nearly as much basketball because I'm doing everything else. Well, and the media access is ridiculous for that. I mean, last mm-hmm. year, I, I'm sure I told it on the pod, but last year, LeBron James was sitting courtside for the game 20 feet away from me. And then at one point, I turned around and Damian Lillard's getting interviewed on ESPN literally right there. Like that, they had it set up right there. And so you can just walk around and intermingle. I was standing right next to Mike Schmitz, who, you know, had just joined the Portland Trailblazers front office, him and Chauncey and everybody else in the organization were just sitting there in the stands. You can walk right around and all of that intermingle. It's not quite that much Amari. Like when I come to a Pistons game, a little bit, but not quite as much. It is that way pregame, but at summer league, it's during the game before, after all of that I just feel like it's a little bit more loose and free and it's just it's it's a lot of fun I, I enjoy it and like I said I just sometimes I feel like I don't end up watching as much basketball as what I intend because I end up having conversations and you know just enjoying people's company it's a very chill relaxed vibe I would say summer league is it's fun I mean it's just fun to just be in that environment to a lot of people you know people you want to meet and I just, I like watching summer league basketball too. Like I don't get to watch as much as I would like to when I'm out Not there, after the first four or five days you don't. No, it, okay. It falls off. It falls <laughs> off uh, significantly once you get past like the second game for each team. Cause then you're not watching the first round picks. Like you're watching the guys who are trying to like find their way in the league. Even that can be fun sometimes. It can. I would say most of the hilarious in like the first three or four days for sure. All right, so we had a couple questions here about Eugene Amarui. He did, but he is on the summer league roster. So Amarui is on the summer league roster. I got. I don't ask, think he's. I don't think he's going to be on the summer league roster anymore. Oh, he's he was on the summer league. So then when the cut happened, now he's off. No, yeah, no, yeah, he's off now. Okay, and then Prashida, because I saw something on Twitter the other day that he was in the locker room or something. Any updates you can give us on Prashida? I don't expect him to be in summer league. Maybe something changes between now and you know uh, Thursday when they get out there. But I don't expect him to. I don't expect him to be on the, on the uh, summer league team. All right, let's answer a few more questions here. All things the same, who's getting more minutes this year, Amari? Marcus Sasser or Monte Morris? Morris, I mean, they need a veteran on the floor. Uh, Sasser is going to have to come in and prove it. So I feel pretty comfortable predicting uh, Morris unless Sasser just comes in and just sets the road on fire, which he could do. I'm not saying he can't. I'm just going to go with the vet. Yeah, I think so as well. I think where that maybe would change is obviously if Morris gets moved at the trade deadline and then Sasser plays a ton of minutes after the trade deadline, Here's one with Harris being added. Do you think it'll take a chunk out of Asar's minutes? Boy, on starting Harris on the second unit. Where does that leave Asar? We talked about this a little bit. 
even if Asar doesn't start, though, Amari, he's going to play, especially if he's ready. Now, here's the thing. Is there a world, man, I, I'm going to get crushed for this after the Jalen Duran stuff last year. Is there a world where maybe he's not ready and he has to play some G League? Maybe. I don't think G League does Asar Thompson any good whatsoever. He just came out of a league that was transitioned up and down, a little too free-flowing. Even if it's less minutes, I think the NBA game is going to be better for him. I just find it hard to believe this team doesn't find minutes for the number five overall pick, whether it's starting or not. Yeah, they'll find minutes for him, and maybe we see Boyan at the four a little bit more just to open that spot for him with Harris being more of a two-slash-three. I'm not thinking G League with either of the first-round picks at all. Uh, to date, I don't believe the Pistons have assigned any of their first-round picks to the G League. And I mean, there's been situations where some of those guys have struggled and they still didn't get assigned. So maybe that changes with the depth they have. But in general, it seems like just even league-wide, you really don't see first-round picks get assigned to the G League unless you're like the go-to state warriors. You're just very much in. We have to win right now. And Steve Kerr doesn't really seem to like developing guys on the floor at all. Like, I don't think that's going to be the Pistons at all. Like, I would be surprised to see a star play with the Motor City Cruise next season. Randall Taylor, I wonder what the overall goals for this season. Is it just to develop, knock on the playing door, or just win 30 games? I mean, I think we've kind of outlined this a little bit. My goal, Amari, is you put Cade, Ivy, Asar, Dern in the best situations to develop. You can throw Isaiah Stewart and some other guys in there as well. The four, I, I look at those four guys as the core, kind of young core right now. And how many ever games you win, you win. That's probably dictated by how much Cade improves, Ivy improves, Dern improves, and how ready Asar is. And so I don't think there should be a goal of we have to make the play-in game. Now, if they're playing really well and then they can swing a trade at the deadline and go for it, great. I'm cool with that. Or if they end up winning 27 games, but we see a lot of things we want to see from development, perfect. You have all the cap space. You have all of these expirings, what you need to go. And then because what I wanted to say earlier, Amari, the time to make that move is coming, though. Would you agree with that? Like eventually, and I know people are tired of it getting kicked down the road. Eventually, you're not going to be able to do that. Like all these guys are going to come up for extensions and you're going to have to make the move. And I do think that's coming sooner rather than later. Yeah, I mean, eventually, especially you look at, you know, Cade's probably going to sign an extension a year from now, right? And then you have Duran and Ivy as well a year after that. So you're going to have to start paying these guys. You want to be in a situation where you're paying young guys and also not winning games. So uh, you're going to have to turn that down to a compete, I would say, sooner rather than later for sure. So just free agency in general, any players that you have your eye on, Omari, here as we've gone down to, I don't know what wave we're on, the third or fourth wave. I'll be honest, I went through the list today and at the end of the day, I think any guy that I would want, like they're just not coming to Detroit on the room exception. And so I don't know that there's a free agency move to be made out there, at least not right now. Yeah, honestly, nobody really strikes me as like an obvious fit for this team. Like Tory Craig was on that you know, list for me, not just being somebody who was in Phoenix and could kind of bounce between the three and four. Uh, but I believe he signed with the Chicago Bulls today. So you cross him off. I mean, Yuta, he's in, in, in Phoenix, so... The pool has really kind of dwindled uh, pretty rapidly here, so I'd be curious to see if they do use that room exception to try to get somebody else in. I'm still I'm still intrigued by, I don't think Darius Baisley signed anywhere, and I kind of floated him in a story a week ago as just the annual, uh, let's take a shot on this guy. Uh, Baisley was drafted, uh, Troy Weaver's last year in OKC. He's a 6'8 forward slash ball ball center athletic. Uh, he just checks the usual uh, Troy Weaver to take a shot on this guy. 
uh, box. So he's the guy I'm still intrigued by. Last couple things here. Coach Bryce, what if the NBA gave Kansas City NBA team? Will you stay with us? Yes, I will not cheer for another NBA team. Um, and just most Kansas City sports teams are in Missouri anyway. So it's not even in Kansas. Kansas City is like eight hours away. Denver's actually way closer than Kansas City to me where I live as it is. Let's finish up with this, Amari. What kind of takeaways do you have overall from NBA free agency? Were there any moves that surprised you, shocked you, moves that you really liked, a team that you're like, man, that that was really intriguing? Anything like that that kind of stands out from this first few waves of free agency? Yeah, I would say first, uh, we did kind of dump on Houston a little bit. I don't think Houston <laughs> had a bad offseason. I think they won the draft to get Cam Whitmore and Amen Thompson, Amen Thompson. And then to go out and get Dylan Brooks and Fred Van Fleet. I think those guys fit what they need. Like you upgrade your defense, you upgrade your, your shooting with Van Fleet. And it's just the money, right? But you have $60 million in cap space. You have to spend it somehow. So you just end up paying those guys probably a bit more than the market would have. But I think their offseason was fine. Like I think you look at the numbers, you're like, wow. But just from getting to the, the salary floor, I think it's, it's, it's fine. I would say Phoenix did, I thought, really, really Agreed. well. Agreed. Yeah, uh, you know, for a team that seemed like they kind of backed themselves in a corner uh, with the Bradley Beal trade, and then you look at the players they got on like minimum contracts, and it's like, well, this this could work. You know, this is okay. It's not a it's not a bad off season at all. Uh, you know, I would say Phoenix. Honestly, I think that's probably had one of the best off seasons. Just from a like, if we're gonna go for it, we're gonna go for it. Like, I don't know if I'd support in general the put all of our eggs in one basket strategy that has backfired for other teams. But, you know, like they're still trying to run back with the Miami Heat did a decade ago. But if you're going to do it, I, I would say they probably did it as well as they, they could have done it, just getting the four or five guys they did get on those minimum deals. Yeah, no, they started bringing in guys. I'm like, okay, that's, you know, they got Yuta, somebody we've talked about, like you said, Eric Gordon, obviously the Brad Bill. I thought the Lakers had a solid offseason. Um, with their draft, the guys they're able to bring back, they didn't get anybody, you know, they, they lucked out. Nobody offered Austin Reeves the offer sheet. And so they were able to bring him back on an insanely good team friendly contract. Gabe Vincent. What do we think about the Warriors, Omari? So you bring back Draymond Green, four for a hundred million, and then you trade for Chris Paul. Obviously they bring in Piston legend, Corey Joseph, but that's an interesting little roster there with Chris Paul, Steph, Clay, Draymond. I'm not sure how that's all going to work, but um, definitely keeping eyes on the Warriors. So Golden State is an interesting team to me because they kind of have like a two timeline lines thing going where you have yep. Wiseman and Kuminga and Moses Moody and Jordan Poole and then of course you have your uh, core veterans and it seems like they have kind of bailed on like the long term plan where you, you trade Wiseman to get Gary Payton second back to help your playoff run and then you uh, trade Jordan Poole you salary dump Jordan Poole you, you gave up I think a 2031st which, like, you're, you probably would not be contending in, in 2030, definitely not with the current core. You probably need, you know, some things to kind of break your way for that to happen. And you give up a first to get off of the Jordan Poole contract, and then you bring in Chris Paul, who is probably going to help you next season. But, you know, somebody who's injury-prone, so how much can you play him during the regular season to be as a question? And... I just kind of look at that roster and I get trying to maximize the window as long as you can. Cause the longest stuff is stuff. You have a shot at winning the championship. So I get it. It's just after a certain point, it seems like all the work they put into the develop their young core would start to bear fruit right now. And we barely saw Kaminga and, Mo and Booty 
in the playoffs, you know, and they're like second, third year guys. And it's, and you hear trade rumors about Kaminga wanting to get out. And it's just like, at what cost, right? Like at what cost, um, you know, when those core guys are getting older. So I guess I have mixed feelings. I think getting Draymond back for the deal, they got him back is a, a pretty clear win. Uh, Corey Joseph as your third guard, I think is good. Uh, I believe they lost Dante DiVincenzo, who was really good for them last year. Yep. And just from a depth standpoint, it doesn't really seem like they're getting better. It seems like they just lose some of that depth every single year, and you just need those young guys to step up, and you build on two of the four that you were kind of building on. So interesting spot for them to be in. Like, I get why they're doing it. You have to do everything you can and still try to win. It's just getting to the point to where they are really just kind of screwing themselves long-term to maximize this window now. And for a while, you're kind of doing both at once and now they're building on a long-term plan and doubling down on, on the short-term, which to me is... I mean, it could work. It could also backfire uh, extremely badly. Yeah, I think the Cavs had an interesting offseason bringing in Struess, Niang, brought back Karis LeVert. You know, I think th- a couple of those guys really fit into what that team needs. Obviously, you're, you know, really believing in the four guys that they had there last year. Before we go here, how about some former Pistons just straight up getting the bag in Jeremy Grant, five for 160, um, you know, and then and then Damian asked for the trade. We may, you know, make predictions before we close out with that. And then Bruce Brown. Now, I do want to say Bruce Brown got the one-year overpay that we've talked about on this podcast before with Keith Smith. Bruce Brown's contract is a second-year team option. So, Two years, $45 million, it's essentially a one-year, 22 or whatever that would be. So just want to make sure everybody understands that, that, you know, that second year is not guaranteed. It's an option, or I guess it's just option. So that's important to note whenever you look at those two years, 45, but good for those two guys getting the bag um, this offseason. Yeah, yeah, I mean, we talked about Jeremy getting around 30 a year. They went ahead and maxed him out. Uh, Bruce Brown, of course, was excellent in the playoffs yep, and absolutely. really in this perfect role. and. Uh, he's going to be good next to Tyrese Halliburton next season. So it's always good to see those those guys thrive and succeed elsewhere. I know Jeremy saw a lot of fans of Detroit, uh, Bruce Brown. Uh, there's still a Bruce Brown hive oh, man. in Detroit. I think every <laughs> I think every young point guard that's ever played for the Pistons still has a hive somewhere. There's still probably like, like a Jordan Bone hive somewhere. So uh, shout out to those guys. Absolutely. All right. Dame and James Harden, where do they end up? Real quick. Dame, Miami, Harden, that's a good question. I'm curious to see where James Harden ends up. I'm not sure. I think they end up in, I think I heard a trade where Harden goes Clippers, Dame goes Sixers, and then the Blazers just to get a ton of expirings and assets from those two teams. That's my favorite one. That's the one I want to happen. I think that would be really cool. Dame and Joel Embiid. I like Joel Embiid. I realize that a lot of people don't like watching him play, but I think that would be fun. I think that would be good. I also would be excited for that Blazers backcourt of Scoot Henderson and Shaden Sharp. Like, so I don't hate that Dame's going to be leaving there and those guys playing together. But we are going to close it out here. Guys, we will be back next weekend. I say probably sometime on Sunday is when the schedule will work out. We'll let you you know it'll be on twitter we'll schedule it as early as possible here on youtube thank you for everybody tuning in if you're listening on podcasts rate review we appreciate it help us continue to grow we'll have summer league breakdown stuff here for the next couple episodes and we have some fun stuff lined up when things quote unquote slow down here for a few weeks we got some interviews and some content we've been saving so make sure you stay with us throughout the rest of the off season wes appreciate you amari take it away my guy Thanks for joining us, everyone. We'll talk to you guys again uh, soon in Summer League. So shout out to our audio producer, Robert Chan, our executive producer, Anjanette Delgado, and our sports editor, Kirkland Crawford. Also, big shout out to Wes, as always. And we'll talk to you also. Awesome.